Today, we're going to continue our series called Certain Future, and today we're going to talk about certain heaven. And I, I feel kind of bad because we sort of paused our series and left everybody in the bad place, in hell, as we talked about certain hell two weeks ago. And then we paused for uh, Mother's Day, and now we're picking back up in certain heaven. And uh, today is really good news for everyone who would, who would trust on in the name of Jesus for salvation. Uh, one thing that we know is that most of what we thought was certain at one point is definitely uncertain. I was thinking about the class of uh, 2020 this week. I have a graduating high school senior in my home and how different everything is than what we thought it would be this last semester of her uh, senior year. It has just changed so much, so fast. And, and that's just a microcosm of all the things that we thought were solid and sure that are changing and have changed. Um, I take comfort in two things. One is the book of Malachi, the prophet, he says of the Lord, I, the Lord, do not change. And so while everything else is changing around us, we can fix our eyes on Jesus and he doesn't change. And then the second thing is the truth of his word, like the truths that are in the confines of scripture, what the Bible says, it never changes. It always applies. And today we're going to talk about one of those truths, heaven. And uh, I'm excited to do that. I want to frame it with this verse before we jump into our main text, uh, just so you get your mind straight uh, when we think about heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, this is Paul, and he says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So our framework for today has to be when we look at heaven in the context of Scripture, we get principle, we get idea, we even get picture, but we can't comprehend how good it's going to be. It's unimaginable uh, to the human mind in ways. But... We do get enough in Scripture that we can begin to answer the question, what is heaven like? And to do that, let's look at our main text this morning, John 14, 1 to 3, and I'll read that for you. It says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. So what is heaven like? You know, I think it's sort of tragic that the King James Version takes this uh, passage of Scripture and translates the word uh, house to mansion. And what that did for many of us as Americans, as Westerners and individualistic sort of thinkers, is it painted this picture of heaven for us that was never intended. We thought of heaven as sort of that mansion on the back nine where we're going to have everything we ever wanted and solace and peace and all of that kind of thing. And we, we, we wrapped it in our personal wealth and made it our personal kingdom. And this is not the picture of heaven at all and certainly not the picture that Jesus is painting here. Instead, we get a picture of perfect community. So one thing that, at least for me, this, this time of stay-at-home order, order has done is it, it has shown me, even 
as an introvert. I, I'm sure you know that about me. If you know me, I, I'm an introvert with an extroverted job. And so I do things uh, differently than, than most. I can do this right here, no problem, but I have to recharge alone. I, I need to be alone and with God and Sometimes just a room full of people can be exhausting for me because I'm very introverted. But even as an introvert, one thing that I know and have learned in this season is that I need community. I need people. No amount of isolation for very long is very good because we were wired. We were designed for perfect community with God and with each other. And that is the picture that we get of heaven, perfect community with God and each other. Now, heaven is purposed, and it's purposed because God promised it and he prepared it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, it tells us, uh, well, Hebrews chapter 11 gives us this sort of list of people, this faith hall of fame, people we've heard about like Abraham and Samson, but also nameless people that just lived their faith and, and don't even, their names aren't listed, but it says that they, they were faithful to the end. And uh, it says in, in the end of that scripture, eleven sixteen, it says, but as it is, they, meaning these faithful people, desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So here we get the writer of Hebrews telling the faithful, look, God has gone before us. He has purposed a better country for us. He has purposed and prepared a city for us that we're going to call heaven today that uh, is a better place, a better country. And so when we come to John chapter 14, look at verse 1. It just says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So you remember Jesus is talking here to his disciples, his original disciples, and they are getting ready to see Jesus the one they love, crucified. They're going to see him die in a brutal way. And he's saying to them, look, I'm going to go before you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He's saying that this is the way to heaven. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Ironically, incidentally maybe, this is even the way to, letting, uh, to avoiding trouble in your heart. And I know so many of us now when we think about the future and what are things going to be like, even... Uh, in Texas, we're all hanging on Governor Abbott's announcement and, and Ken Paxson, the Attorney General, his, his guidelines that will come out on May 18. We're hanging on that, like, what is our future going to be like in the short term? But we're learning not to be troubled because there is a certain future that is beyond the guidelines of the governor or, or the, the, any of that. There's a certain future that is a better country, a better uh, a heaven for those who have confessed Christ as Savior and Lord, because it's been purposed and promised by him. Um, now, I'd like to show you two pictures. One picture, and they're word pictures. Uh, one picture is, is what Jesus is, is sharing with, with his disciples right now in verse two. In my Father's house are many rooms. What is that? So in first century Galilee, if someone heard, in my father's house, there, there are many rooms, they would simply think about the idea of household or the father's household. And in first century Galilee, you're talking about 
a courtyard. It can be a big courtyard, but a courtyard with rooms, houses all around that courtyard, that shared space. And families for generations would live around the courtyard. And so this is the concept that Jesus is beginning to picture for his disciples related to heaven. It's not a mansion on the back nine, but instead you're talking about community, life together around the Father's courtyard in the Father's household, right? So <clears throat> this is the picture. And it's, it's literally, we're talking about many rooms. And each one of these rooms purposed and prepared and created in the Father's household for his kids, for the ones who would confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in their heart, God raised him from the dead. This is the idea of heaven. This is the perfect picture. It's in the Father's household. It's with the Father and with other believers. This is community. It's, it's right community. It's, in the context of heaven, perfect community. Now, there's a second picture all throughout the New Testament that sort of um, shows us this purposeful nature of God bringing together Christ and his church in order to experience perfect community in what I'm going to call the new heaven. And we get this language all through the New Testament, but it's the picture of a Jewish wedding. I'm going to explain it to you in short form and in three phases so you can understand what's going on here for God bringing together the bride, the church of Jesus Christ, and the bridegroom into one place, one heaven in community together. So there are three basic phases to a Jewish wedding. There's the first phase, which is the shadukum. This is the betrothal. And so imagine, if you can, I just want to put you in first century Galilee for just a minute. So imagine if you, you could, that you're in a first century uh, village on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. You have Capernaum, three that you might know about from Scripture, Capernaum and Chorazin and Bethsaida. And let's say that uh, two fathers, two different fathers know each other, one for, from Capernaum and one from Chorazin. And the father from Chorazin has a son, and the father from Capernaum, he has a daughter. And they get together, and they make a, an arrangement. They make a deal. And they, they want their son, his son and his daughter to be married together. And so the father from Chorazin, whose son lives in Chorazin with him, he invites the family of the father from Capernaum and the daughter to come to his house. And there's a party. There's a dinner party. And at that party... The son gives a cup of wine, and this is a signal to the bride that he wants to be betrothed to her. He wants her to be the, his. He wants her to be a fa part of the father's household, that they would live together in marriage, have kids, and continue the, generation of the generations of the father's household. When she accepts that cup of wine, uh, she is signaling now that she wants to enter into this marriage covenant, and she is, in fact, betrothed or promised. Now, listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, at the Lord's Supper in the upper room in Jerusalem before he would be arrested and crucified. He said, and we, we take the Lord's Supper this, this way as well when we take 
uh, the fruit of the vine, and we say, do this in remembrance of me. This is what Jesus is setting up, and Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Uh, sorry, let me back up. Luke twenty two twenty, And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so Jesus is then literally offering the church that cup. And he's saying he's paying a price. And if you receive that cup, you want to be in covenant with him. Same thing uh, in the context of Jewish wedding. If if the bride in phase one and this betrothal, if she takes the cup, she is saying now uh, she is considered to be one bought with a price, which brings me to the First Corinthians verse, chapter 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were, want, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That price that was paid is the blood of Jesus on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins so that we could dwell with him forever, that we could be made right and uh, be forgiven of our sin and that we could dwell in the household of his father. So this phase one, the shadukum, is the betrothal. And then we come to phase two. This is the kedushin or the sanctification. And in this time, this is a preparation time. Two kinds of preparation are going on. First of all, like back to that father's household, back to that bridegroom, that son who lives in Chorazin. Now, in the preparation phase, before they're married, they're betrothed, they're promised to one another, the bride is one bought with a price, but now the son's job is to create or to prepare to build a room on the father's household so that when he's married, he can bring his bride into the father's household where they can live and, and be fruitful and multiply, uh, continue to be with the household and expand that father's uh, household. So he prepares a place, he prepares a room um, inside the father's household. He's just adding on to the, to the household that already exists around the courtyard. Now, it's only the father that would be able to say to the son, son, the room is done, everything's perfect, everything's right. So imagine just day after day, week after week, as the son builds this room, the father helps him prepare, inspects, and then tells the son when it's time, like, look, it's time, the house is ready, and and indicates then that it's time to go get the bride. Now, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, speaking of the end times, Matthew said, but concerning that day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels nor the son, but the father only. It's only the father that will tell the son, the household is ready, everything is prepared, go get your bride. Also in the sanctification period, the bride, who we said lived in Capernaum, she is preparing herself for the time when the bridegroom would come that two and a half miles from Chorazin down to Capernaum, he would come and he would get her and take her back for the wedding and her father's household. So she's preparing herself for him in a number of ways. And she's waiting to hear this shofar. The shofar would be blown, letting the bride know the time has come. So when the father says to the son up in Chorazin, hey, the household is ready, the room is ready, 
go get your bride. Then he goes out with the trumpet blast. People go with him. They make that trek, and the bride hears him coming. She's prepared herself, and she is she and all of her family will return with him to Chorazin for what is phase three, which is the Nisuin, or the marriage celebration. They celebrate for seven days after the marriage is consummated, and it culminates in a wedding feast. Revelation chapter 9, 6 6 through 9, I just want you to hear this in light of everything that that I've just shared with you about this picture of a Jewish wedding and the, the bridegroom, Jesus, and his bride, the church, and this place that we'll all dwell in called heaven, the Father's household. Revelation chapter 19, 6 to 9. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So back to that wedding, when the, the, the wedding takes place, the bride comes from Capernaum up to Chorazin, and the marriage is consummated, the wedding celebration takes place, there is a wedding supper. Uh, and here we're learning in Revelation that just like in a Jewish wedding, in Revelation there is a marriage supper of the Lamb, the Lamb being Jesus, the once and for all Passover lamb given uh, to redeem us or to buy us back from our sin, to forgive us of our sin. And it says the bride has made herself ready. This is, the, this is actually the time period that we are living in now, church. This is the time that we are being sanctified. So we've already been betrothed. We've been justified when we received Jesus as our Savior and Lord. But every day as we walk with him and follow him, we are being sanctified by the washing of the word, by the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives, we are preparing ourselves to hear that trumpet blast when, when the Father will tell the Son in heaven, look, the household is ready, go get your bride, and he will return, which we'll be talking about the return of Christ next week as we can finish this series called Certain Future. He will return with the sound of a trumpet and will bring us to this marriage supper of the Lamb, all of us who are in Jesus. Well, in the the third phase, in the marriage celebration, as this wedding feast takes place, after the wedding feast, the bride and and the groom, they go sleep in the room that the bridegroom built. And now that bride that was from Capernaum has become part of the father's household in Chorazin. She has new family, new community. She is, a, she is a daughter of that father uh, now. It's very different than what we experience. You know, my, my brother, he lives in, in Boston, and my dad, he lives in uh, Chattanooga, and we live here in Houston. We're spread all, all out, but there, it is very compact, very tight. It's community-driven, and, and that's the picture that we're getting here of, of this father's household and we see through a Jewish wedding the picture of it that it's the, it's the same pattern 
that Christ has for, for his church. Ephesians chapter 2, 18 to 19 says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so because you're in Jesus, according to the book of John, then he's gone to prepare a place for you, a room in his father's household. And right now you're being sanctified as the bride of Christ. We're being sanctified. And one day he's going to return when the Father tells him it's time, and he's going to return us to his Father's household. This is his purpose. This is his promise. And you can bank on it that in my Father's household, verse 2, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, this heaven, this household of the Father's, it's perfect because there is no sin, and it's perfect because it is paradise restored. One more scripture that I'd like you to look at, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. Revelation 21, 1 to 4 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now here we get a picture of the bridegroom making the new heaven for the bride, and it's perfect because there's no sin. Now, if you followed this entire series, we started on Easter with resurrection. I showed you the biblical truth that everyone will be resurrected one day. I showed you the biblical truth that says we will all die, and then after that, face the judgment. And at the judgment, really two paths. One is to a certain place called heaven for the, uh, for the believer the, the rewards of life lived in faith in Christ and the responsibilities given in hev- for heaven are given out at judgment. They go to this heaven, this household of God. And then there's the certain place called hell. It's the place isolated and away from God uh, for those who are not in Christ, who have not believed, who have not accessed Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. And so we discover that this heaven, according to the scripture, this household of God for all who in Christ is very certain. And as his kids, it's perfect because all the sin is put outside the camp. There is no sin in heaven. It's all been paid for, all been forgiven. There are no more tears then because sin is actually the thing that brings pain. And sin, because there's no sin, we, there are no more tears, no more crying, No more pain. And it says this, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is a complete restoration because in Genesis chapter two, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in a place called paradise in a garden, there was no sin at first and he walked with them. They had perfect relationship with each other and with God. Now in Revelation 1, one to four, we find this new heaven where again, everything is restored. They have perfect relationship with God. He's dwelling with them and with each other. Now, 
what about new heaven? You might ask yourself, what about new earth? If you were to die right now, you go to the present heaven in Christ. This is the present earth that we're standing on. But the scripture is clear that, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth that replaces the present earth and the present heaven. Lots of questions probably fill your mind with that right now, but this is what you need to trust, that Jesus knows how all that works and that he is preparing for you a place in his father's household where there is perfect community with each other, other believers in Jesus, and perfect community with God. No more tears, no more crying, no more pain. Someone once asked me the question, I think it's a worthy question. Will we know uh, the people that we loved, the believers in Christ that we loved on the earth, will we know them in heaven? Because of my understanding of the picture in John chapter 14, I believe the answer to that question is yes. I believe in our Father's household are many rooms, and we dwell with him and with each other, and we're going to know those believers that we knew uh, in, in life, you know? He's, he is uh, going to give us perfect community with each other and with God in this place called heaven. It's for all those who would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and find forgiveness in him. So here's the biggie. If, if household, if the father's household is the picture of heaven, then what is the way to the father's household? How do I get there? And Jesus answers this question in John chapter 14, verse 6, just a few more verses down in our main text. Jesus said to Thomas, who was asking the similar question, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So maybe a better question is, who is the way to heaven? Jesus says he is the way. Some people say, well, this is narrow-minded. Philosophy would tell us, you know, there's got to be many ways to heaven. There are a lot of good people in the world. Maybe you can behave your way there. There's lots of religions. Maybe there are lots of ways. According to the scripture, this certain heaven that is the father's household has a certain way to enter it. And there's only one way. Anybody can enter it, but it has a certain way to enter it. And Jesus is that way. It's not just knowing about Jesus. It's walking through Jesus. It's walking with Jesus. It is believing. Back to verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For some of you today, you've heard this picture of heaven. You, you might have thought it was a mansion on the back nine of some golf course for people that do good in life. And that's not the case at all. It's for people who realize they don't do good in life. They realize their own sin and they confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart, God raised him from the dead and they come to him for the forgiveness of sin and salvation. He grants it. He pays the price on the cross and he is then the way to the Father's household. You have to believe, though. And that's the thing. You know, I believe that word that's used many times in Scripture, it means believe to the point of action. It changes your direction. And so some of you this morning, I, I really believe, some of you need to say for the first time, you know, Jesus, I believe you are the way to the Father's household, the only way. And you just need to confess your sin to him. And in faith, believe him. And the scripture says that when you do that, that one certain thing that happens is that you are saved, saved from hell, and you are promised heaven. 
in the household of God. He begins preparing that room for you, and, uh, but he is the way. Others of you, maybe you, you've heard this picture of heaven. Maybe this is the first time you've ever thought of heaven this way, and it brings you encouragement or excitement, the fact that, that you're going to be dwelling in the household of the Father, that you're going to be with God, and, and uh, there will be nothing between you, you and God because of Jesus, because all your sin is forgiven, and you'll know other people in heaven because you have perfect uh, community with them as well. Maybe you received Christ at some point in your life. You, you confessed him as Savior and Lord, but, but you're far from him now, or, or you just have not really grown in him at, at any point other than just to say, I need you to keep me out of hell. And so maybe today you need to begin a relationship with him in such a way that you begin walking with him. And we want to help you with that, whether you're just believing for the very first time today or you're coming back to Jesus and saying, you know, I, I want to begin walking with you now. We want to help you with that. And so if you would, text the word, if you've made any sort of spiritual decision today, like you, you know, like you need heaven in your life and you know that only comes through Jesus and you're believing it for the first time. Or I just want to come back to Jesus and experience all that uh, walking with him now means and heaven means later. Text the word response, R-E-S-P-O-N-S-E, to the number 94090. You're going to get a form back, and it's gonna, we're going to ask you to give us a little bit more information because we want to come alongside of you and help you take your next steps, either as a brand new believer or as a believer who just wants to begin walking with Jesus again. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you, you want a pastor or a minister to pray with you or reach out to you. Maybe you need to be baptized. I don't know what your decision is today. But the Lord is leading you to do something, to take a step. And so text us that word response to 94090. There are a lot of things that are uncertain. <laughs> In some ways, we can't see uh, past our own hand when we hold it up uh, one inch from, from, from our nose right now. But what we do know is that the Bible speaks with certainty about a literal place called heaven that is a household, and it can only be entered by Jesus. And this is important for you and I to really comprehend and, and believe today for his glory and for our good. Would you, would you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, we come to you knowing that you are the way, the truth, the life. We know your word says no one comes to, you, to the Father except by you, and so we humble ourselves, forgive us of our sins, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord. Thank you for making a way. Jesus, thank you for preparing a place for us. Thank you that we, as the church of Jesus Christ, get to be part of the bride of Christ. We look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We look forward to the place you have prepared for us. We look forward to heaven when we will be with you and you will be our God and we will be your people. and will be no more tears and no more crying and no more pain. We look forward to all of that. And while we're going through this time of sanctification now, God, would you be near us, be near my brothers and sisters, my friends, my family. Draw them near to you. Help them take comfort in knowing that you're with them that Jesus, your name was God with us, is God with us. You put your spirit inside of us. You're preparing a place for us now and you're coming back again. God, give us so much hope, so much courage, 
so much encouragement today because of it. For all those who don't know you, Father, I pray, would you be kind to them, convict them of their sin, and draw them to yourself by the power of your spirit. May they become a part of the household of God today. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.